Good morning. If there are any kiddos out there, when you come on down, we're going to do a lesson up front. Okay. So it's fifth Sunday, so you're not upstairs today. So we're going to have a lesson here, and the grown-ups get to listen. So we've been talking about family in church. You haven't really been talking about family because you've been upstairs talking about courage. Um, who can tell me what a family is? Andrew. A bunch of people that are in a family. Okay, that's one answer. Anybody else have another answer? What's a family? Yeah? A bunch of brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters is a good answer. What do you think? You're thinking, okay. Anybody else have an answer? Oh, did, did you remember? Okay. A big group of people that are related to each other. That is a good one. A big group of people who are related to each other. Good answer. So, how do you know, like, if you, saw, if you were in a big group of people and you were there with your family, how do you think people would know that was your family? What do you think, Andrew? Because they're related to you. Okay, but if they didn't know that, if they didn't know that you were related, how do you think they might figure out you're a family? What do you think, Beckett? Um, um, because they would look very similar to you. Yeah, you might look the same. That's a great answer. What about sounding the same? Do any of you sound like your parents? I sound like my mom. Yeah, you sound like one of your parents. Do you ever talk kind of the same way that they do? Some of us that live out in the country might have a little twang. Yeah, okay. Okay, so sometimes you have things in common with your family, right? You might not be related, related, but you might um, have some things in common. So that's how we figure out a physical family, like your family that lives in your house. Um, what do you think it means to have a spiritual family? You heard of that before, Andrew? I think it means that you're in God's family. Great answer. That's exactly right. So being part of God's family, being a Christian, being the church, you've heard people say we are the church. That's part of being a spiritual family. Um, so one time in the Bible, Jesus was teaching a big group of people and his mother and his brothers came and they were like, Jesus, it's time to go. And he was like, wait a minute who is my mother and who are my brothers? And Jesus looked at the people sitting all around him and he said, here is my mother and here are my brothers. Anyone who does what God wants is my brother or sister. That sounds kind of silly, right? So Jesus really loved his actual mom and his actual brothers, but he recognized that he's part of a bigger family. He's part of God's family. And he was saying that whoever trusts in God and has faith in Jesus is part of that family. And we call them brothers and sisters with Christ. Have you heard of that before? You're like, this is my brother in Christ, my sister in Christ. Well, that's what that means. When you put your faith in Jesus, you're brothers and sisters in Christ. So now we have this bigger spiritual family. Let's talk about how might people recognize you as part of God's family. What do you think, Andrew? By saying kind words to others. Great answer. What do you think, Drew? By going to church. Going to church. I love it. What else do you think, Tyler? Bible. Reading the Bible, yes. What do you think? That, that you believe in God. Yes, believing in God. Oh my goodness, you're just like, like pulling my lesson right out from under me. So I have this tree, right? So we're going to make a family tree. So we don't all look the same, right? 
in God's family. We don't necessarily all look the same, but we're going to act the same, and that's how people will know you're part of God's family. So let's put some leaves on this tree just because I made them and I want to use them. Dante, eat together. How does that make you part of God's family? What do you think? What do you think, Andrew? It means that someone might not have enough money to buy food, so you can, you invite them over to eat. That is a great answer. I'm going to put that under helping others. That's our helping others leaf, right? If you're kind to other people and you help people who need it, that can show that you're part of God's family. This one I was thinking was communion. Have you heard of communion before? Yeah. So, no? Okay. Well, let me tell you about it. The grown-ups and anyone who's been baptized and believes in Jesus has a thing called communion, and they eat a little cracker and they drink a little juice. And that's just part of showing everyone that we believe that Jesus died on the cross for us, and we all do it together as part of a community. What does this say? Read the Bible. Exactly. So if you're reading the Bible and you're studying God's Word, people might know that you're part of God's family. What's this one? Pray. Yep, we talked about pray. When you talk to God, people will know you're in his family. What's that one say? Be a friend. friend. Who are you supposed to be friends with? What do you think, Beckett? Your cousins can be your friends. Who else can be your friends, Andrew? God. God is your friend. Who else is your friend, Tyler? Everyone. That's what I'm looking for. So Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. And everybody's your neighbor, right? So you should be kind to everyone. What's that say? Go to church. If you go to church, people will know that you're in God's family. I got one more. This one's tricky. What's that one? Worship. Worship. What's that mean? What do you think? Like, feel like praising God. Absolutely. Doing something that honors God is worship. We sing to God. Anything that we do where we're honoring God while we're doing it, that's an act of worship. So when you're worshiping, you are showing others that you're part of God's family. So there are lots of leaves that we could have keep going on and on, but these are the only ones I made. So you'll notice, you want to show everybody, this is our tree. Thank you, Andrew. You can put it down. Um, so, and just like I said, all the leaves are different. All of you look different. But if you act like God wants you to and do the will of God, that's what anyone who does what God wants is my brother or sister, right? So put your faith in Jesus. Show everyone that you're in God's family. So let's pray about this, and then you can go back to your seats. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for inviting us to be part of your family. Thank you for Jesus and for allowing us to enter your family by putting our faith in him. Help us to remember each day to act and behave and do all the things you ask us to do so that others can tell that we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, I don't know about you guys, um, but I, I find myself uh, right in the middle of chaos. You ever had a season of life where you look around and think, I'm completely out of control, my life is sideways, and there's nothing I can do about it? Um, the mufflers invited uh, a little guy to live with us a few weeks ago. We decided, you know what, having kids, we've done that. Let's, let's, let's try borrowing somebody else's kids. Um, and so now we have a, a four-year-old little boy who is amazing. He's the cutest thing in the entire world. Um, but there is a time of transition in that. When you think of a four-year-old coming into a new family, that's hard. It's painful. It's even painful for my little girls. It's, it's a difficult transition. Um, and we're talking about family this morning, and 
first and foremost, I got to say this, I've experienced the highest highs and the lowest lows with my family. The highest things I can think of, the things that I am so proud of, the things that get me so excited about life and Jesus, I have experienced with my family. And there are things in my family I go, oh, no, no, pass. That's horrible. But let me tell you about the highest high and the lowest low that happened in the exact same five minutes just the other day. Um, my <laughs> um, Coming back late from a church outing, this is my fault. Okay, my little children didn't say, ooh, ooh, can we stay up past our bedtime so we can be monsters? I didn't say monsters. You thought I heard I, you thought I said monsters, but what I really said was monsters. Um, and so we get back late, and the process is, in the muffler family, when we get home, we're like, okay, we've got to brush teeth, we've got to, you know, put your PJs on, use the restroom, we're going to pray, we're going to read a book, and then we're going to bed. This is routine. This is something that's normal. This isn't sci-fi mystery to our kids. But every night, they forget, and it's hard. And so we, we get in the garage, and we, we're like, like cattle, like, come on, let's go. Let's get these people in. And, and all of a sudden, this little guy whom we love so desperately, but again, he's new, and he, he doesn't know the way of the mufflers, which is neither wrong nor right. It's just what we do. And I'm like, all right, buddy, it's time to brush your teeth. And I asked him to brush his teeth. That was my fault. I've made a mistake. Listen, have you ever done battle with a four-year-old? Does anyone ever win? We're all losers. We all lose. And this little guy, it was late, and it's, again, it's my fault. And he looks at me, he's like, and he gets this big face. He's like, no, you're not my dad. I hate you. And he runs up the stairs. And I'm sitting there like, oh, man, what did I do? My voice probably got a little too high, and my face probably was a little too angry or frustrated, and I, I ended up on the heap on the, on the stairs with my hands and my, and my head in my hands, and I'm like, oh, what, what's going on here? What did, how did I take a left-hand turn when I should have took a right-hand turn? And then my seven-year-old and my five-year-old walk up, my little girls, and go, dad, are you okay? I said, no, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm completely lost in this. And they kind of give me a hug, and they're like, hmm, whatever. And they go play, and they, you know, they get their, their PJs on and brush their teeth. And so, like, I, again, I'm on the stairs, and I'm like, what am I doing? I, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just completely so lost. And about five minutes later, I, I walk into my bedroom um, after some calm has come around the family. I walk into my bedroom, and I find this on my bed, on my pillow. Um, if you're in the front row, you can see, and if not, it's, it's just a squirrel because they're seven and five, um, they decided to do something nice for me. They, they drew this little squirrel, and they put an arrow that says, back, and if you turn it over, it says, Dad, we still love you, Olivia and Myra. So the highest of highs and the lowest of lows I've experienced with people that I spend the most time with. Would you relate to that? Would you see that? We're talking about the life of us right now. We're talking about families in a church family or spiritual family. Have you ever experienced really highs in church with your church family? Have you ever experienced really gigantic valley lows with your church family? Real quick, I can remember being a part of a basketball team and them openly praying for me, for me to understand who Jesus is. I remember them being at the church when I was baptized. Huge high in my life. Ultimately changed my life in eternity. I remember about 10 years ago when the church was about ready to close its doors because of some unfortunate decisions by staff members and things were going so poorly that everybody just kind of sat around and said, all we can do is pray because we really don't know if we're going to be around tomorrow. 
the highest of highs and the lowest of lows. If you're anything like me, you've experienced that. So I've got to ask the question, why in the world would God give us this imagery of family when he refers to us, brothers and sisters in Christ? Why would we do that? Because First of all, we see a lot of negative family situations in Scripture. Let's start, let's say, page two, Cain and Abel. Anybody remember that fun story? Remember that train wreck of a family? I, 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 that was mean. But if I have a sibling, if I have a kid kill its sibling, I think that's probably a big deal. Cain got frustrated with Abel. Abel's sacrifice to God was pleasing. Um, I'm sure uh, Abel, uh, his parents were like, man, that Abel, he's a great guy. I hope you're like Cain someday. And Cain's like, ah, I'm going to kill him. Let's move on. How about Jacob and his brother Esau? Jacob manipulated a situation, lied to parents, lied to everybody so that he can get the birthright, so he could get the blessing. Basically, he lied and manipulated a situation so he could get the firstborn's inheritance. Let's keep going. You know, there's a theme. Joseph's brothers, brothers Cain and Abel. Maybe it's a brother's thing. Anyway, moving on. Um, Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. Classic last child mistake. He walked up to his parents and his brothers and said, I had a dream that you all bowed down to me and I was in charge. You guys have a little brother that you would probably like make sure that you lock him in a closet or something? Well, they decided, no, we don't have that much closet space. Let's sell him into slavery. <laughs> Chaos in these families. Chaos. How about Jesus? His own family. His brothers and sisters did not believe in him. Matter of fact, in his ministry, his mom and brothers and sisters show up to this town and say, Jesus, you are such an embarrassment. You are bringing so much shame to our family. We'd like to take you and hide you. Until the resurrection, Jesus' brothers and sisters looked at Jesus and thought he was a crackpot. Chaos. So why would Jesus give us this imagery of family to describe our interactions? I'm not going to say anything new this morning. We're kind of messed up people. We're kind of broken people, but we all are chasing after Jesus Christ. Uh, here in Matthew 12, 49 through 50, uh, it says this, pointing to his disciples, Jesus said, here are my brothers and my mother, for whoever does the will of the Father in heaven is my brother my sister, and my mother. Jesus looks at the people that have been following him. Jesus looks at the people that said, you know what, I to totally get you, Jesus, but I understand you're a big deal, and I'm chasing after you. And Jesus says, you are my brothers, my sisters, my mother. In here today, we can look around and say, and who's my family? So we're going to take a quick few minutes and answer a few silly questions like, who is my church family? What do they look like? And what is a healthy family of God really do in their community. Um, this is the last week of our Relation Slip series. Uh, we'll be looking at family of God. All right, so if you would like to, we're going to be hanging out in the uh, book of Acts chapter 2. So if you want to get out your phone, your tablet, or if you're going to go analog, that's totally cool if you've got a paper Bible. Uh, but beforehand, let's, let's take a look at this question. Who is our church family? Instead of it just being the easy answer and looking around and saying, well, it's everybody in here. Really? It's the easiest answer to say, well, this is my church, this is my home, this is my congregation, this is my family of believers. And you are correct if you say that, but it goes much deeper than that. Family is determined not by our church family, but by our relationship. 
Do you guys get that? Uh, our DNA or genetics often do not determine our strongest relationships. If you're anything like me, maybe you have someone that you're related to blood-wise, you have nothing in common with. And there is so much space in between your relationship with them. Here, right here in this room, in the family of God, sometimes we have stronger relationships than even with our kids, with our parents, with our neighbors. They don't have to look, act, or speak like us to be a part of our church family. I was talking to Brad Pontius the other day. Brad Pontius is our local and global, our global Glocal. Let's call him Glocal, our Glocal Outreach Minister. And he was saying to me, hey, if all the Christians in the world, about 1.2 billion people that believe in Jesus Christ, were sitting at a huge dining room table, only about 20% would look like me. I'm fairly pigment impaired. I'm from the Midwest. Only about 20% of all those around the table would look like me. So we need to be careful not to judge who's in our family based on our experiences, what we look like, how we dressed, our customs, even worship style. There are places in this world that you and I would go to, to a church, and we would say, what? Well, that's interesting. Well, that's not how I worship God. We need to be careful about that. When we say who's in our church family, we have to look around and say, and there's a lot, 1.2 billion people. Ephesians 2.19 says this, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. All of us. It's 1.2 billion people. They don't look like us. They don't talk like us. They don't act like this. But what does God say? We're brothers and sisters. We are in the same household. We're in the same family. Uh, one of the reasons we can figure out who's in our church family is do they do the will of the Father? Let's not get hung up on denominations or political stance. There is a lot of people that believe in Jesus if they swing left or right when it comes to politics. There's a lot of people that believe in Jesus, even if they're in a denomination we look at and say, those are our brothers and sisters doing the will of the Father. And another reason we can figure out who's in our family is they, that they love brothers and sisters in Christ. Sometimes it's easy to see who's a part of the team by looking at the jersey it's easy. If you're a Cardinal fan, you see the bird on the bat, and you're like, yeah, you're a good guy. But in reality, as a follower of Christ, if you really want to know who's in your family, are they loving? Are they taking care of? Are they praying for? Are they there for brothers and sisters in Christ? Um, John 13, 34 through 35 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone would know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, Sherwood Oaks Christian Church has an amazing opportunity to influence our brothers and sisters around the world. God set this in our lap a few weeks ago, a few months ago, um, and you, you saw the Kurdistan video a couple weeks ago, but the, here is an updated video to kind of show what's going on right now with this situation. As the Kurdish militia and allied troops battle ISIS to liberate Mosul, our Christian brothers and sisters have renewed hope that someday they may return to their homes and properties. It could be years until they enjoy the peace and security of their homes again, but hopefully our gifts will provide a sense of support and solidarity with them. The good news is that we've raised $19,000 of our $30,000 goal in addition to our friends at AIDS Relief Services 
who sent $20,000 to the project. The Poorhouse Cafe also anticipates raising $6,000 in tips. And my mom asked me to send her 20 flyers so she can give special Christmas donations for each one of her grandkids. Not a bad idea. I hope you and your family will give to this worthy cause so we will far exceed our goal and bless many. For our extended family in Kurdistan, we can do it. Our family looks different. Take a second, and I don't want to be overly emotional, but you saw a bunch of little kids standing in front of a tent. That was the kind of zoomed-in picture there. And a camp that is very, <clears throat> let's just call it not safe. They're removed from their homes. They're in the middle of nowhere. Moms and dads don't have jobs. They have no idea how to take care of their families. We look at that and say, man, that's a bummer. But can you picture your grandkids in that picture? What if you put your mom and dad in the shoes of the people that were standing right there, hopeless? If it was our family, our true family, if this was a family member we looked at and said, hey, I've got to do something. I'm compelled. My heart tells me I have to step up and do something. I would encourage you, church, if we look at them as brothers and sisters and not just, oh, that's cool, they're Christians in the world, in the world somebody else to take care of them, we can step up and, and smash this goal out of the park. God has given this opportunity. I say let's step up and knock it out. So why? So if, if this family imagery is not necessarily perfect all the time, why does God want us or why do we feel compelled to be a part of this family? Number one, we have the same parents. We have the same God. If you look around this room, a couple hundred people, what do we have in common? Our jobs? No. Our way of life? No. Are we all related and have the same last name? No. What do we have? We have the distinct desire to figure out who Jesus is and have our lives completely transformed because of it. How amazing it that no matter what your background is, no matter what your preferences are, preferences, preference, good thing I'm not a public speaker for a living, um, are you and I can be a family because of the same heavenly father. First John 3, 1 says, see what great love the father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. Now, we find equality under Christ. Here's something that I absolutely positively love. No matter what background you have, what education you have, what kind of car you drove here, what you're dressed like, whatever kind of socioeconomic situation that you and I are in, we all are all under the authority of Jesus Christ. Male, female, free, slave, doesn't matter. We are all equal under God. Okay, I've heard it said that parents love their children, but like some of them more than others. Is that true or false? I'm the only one? Okay, fine. I'm the bad parent. Totally fine. I love my kids equally. I will do anything in the world for my little ones. There are days one is more likable than the other. No? True? Okay, I get you, right? We're all loved by God. We're all his favorite. And I know that sounds ridiculous, but God has that much love. God has that much perspective to say, you know what? You and I are kids. There is no jockeying for position. There is no way we can look at Jesus and be like, hey, I made you cookies. It's not going to work out. We are all loved. And the last one is the promise of salvation. Because we're all in the same boat and need Jesus Christ because we're broken people, you and I can relate to each other's brokenness. Because of the garbage in my life, I can look at you and say, I know you just made a mistake, but I get it. 
I have fallen too. Hopefully, because of what you've experienced, you can look at me and say, oh, John, that was a bad move. But I get it. Man, we're all frail, broken people. We can have camaraderie and the idea that since we are nobody in here is perfect and we all need Jesus, we can rally together like a family. Now, what does a healthy family look like? We're going to go to Acts 2, 42 to 47. Let me set this, uh, let me set this uh, little piece of scripture up for you. There is a bunch of outsiders, different people in Jerusalem for the uh, Jewish holiday of Passover. This is just days after the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. We're not talking decades. We're not talking hundreds of years. We're talking days, just a few weeks afterward. And all these people, all these Jews have come together to worship the Lord. And Jesus, through his disciples, through miracles, through preaching, whatever it is, these people have said, okay, Jesus is a big deal. I'm going to figure this out. And let's look at this new, brand new family and how they interact with each other. Acts 2, 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Everyone was filled with awe as the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give everyone, uh, give to anyone who had a need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, broke bread in their homes, ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And here's what I think is the greatest thing we can just focus on for a second. Because they were a healthy family, what did God do? And the Lord added to the number daily those who were being baptized, those who were being saved. Because of this healthy family, because they were striving to live for one another, striving to love one another like a family should, God blessed them. And people saw something new and exciting was happening, and they ran to Jesus. They ran to this group of people trying to figure out who and what is going on. This fellowship here in Greek is uh, koinonia, life together, or the same focus or activities. Now, when it says they had everything in common, Either that was a miracle or basically this is what we're saying is they had Jesus in common. They lived together and said, hey, I know you're from a different culture. I know maybe you have a different language. I know that uh, you are completely different looking than I am, but we're going to eat together. Matter of fact, if they were out of town, they probably brought people in and said, hey, you can stay in my home. They lived like a family together. They shared property and possessions. They basically came up with the idea of see a need, fill a need in the family. Have you ever been there? Have you ever seen a need in your family and said, hey, I got to step up. Maybe nobody else can, but I will. They shared lives, shared meals together. And the Lord added to their number daily because of their focus and passion on him. And I feel like that, that is what the church needs to hear this morning. That's what I need to hear this morning. Because it is difficult to live with family. Our highest highs and our lowest lows. Sometimes we look around here and say, well, I like that guy, I like that guy, but man, not that guy, because he said something about me. He did something, and I'm still carrying that. I'm still holding that. Ladies and gentlemen, we are family, and that is difficult. It's painful because love is risk, and we are risking it all for our family this morning. So how can we become a healthier family of believers? Love your brothers and sisters like your mom is watching. Let me rephrase that. Let me say that again. Love your brothers and sisters like your mom is watching. Listen, I've got a Linda who's mom. She's amazing. And when my, my sister and I hang around Linda, we're different people. We like hold hands, sing songs. We smile at each other. And when Linda walks out of the room, Kathy and I are like, rawr, rawr, and we just go after each other. We, we just do. We're siblings. 
I'm better looking, she's a redhead. It happens. <laughs> I'm kidding, except for that. Um, but Galatians 5, 13 and 14 says this about love. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping with one commandment. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can you imagine if we love the people in this room? Can you imagine if we love the people in our community that follow after Jesus Christ? Can you imagine if we love these, these Kurds? Like our mom is right there. Like we're loving our brothers and sisters. The next one is invest in your brothers and sisters. Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. You and I need to be in two relationships. Ready for this? With our brothers and sisters, we need to be in a relationship that someone we have given freedom to to pour into our lives so that we can be a better follower of Jesus Christ, so we can be a better husband or wife, we can be a better parent, we can be a better worker at our job. We need to have somebody in our life that we would call a mentor. And we need to have somebody that's a brother and sister that we're holding hands with, that we're praying for, that we're mentoring, we're going out to coffee. And it doesn't matter if you know it all. You don't have to be a theologian. You can be a cheerleader. You could be a prayer warrior. You can use your talents, gifts, and ability to build others up in this kingdom. To take that younger brother or sister and say, hey, I might only be a step ahead of you, but let's do this together. Iron sharpens iron. As a family, you and I can do this. What if, what would that look like if this congregation decided, you know what, we're going to let love dictate our relationships and our family? What if mentoring somebody else and having somebody else pour our pour into our lives became something that was just an everyday thing? How would our community look at us differently? How would our family that we actually live with look at us differently? Do you think God would bless us by the number of people that would say, what's going on there? What's happening there? Do you think he would add to our number? That's my encouragement for this morning. As we walk in family, which is the highest highs and the lowest of lows, be reminded that you and I are brothers and sisters in Christ because we have the same parent. We have the same situation under Jesus Christ's authority. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we give you glory and honor for this church body, for this family. You called us the body of Christ, that you are preparing us. Even though we are not perfect, even though sometimes as family members we get after each other, I would ask God that you would bless this congregation. Allow them to see that brothers and sisters are here in this community, in this congregation, and around the world. That we can step up and love, honor, and take care of our family. Help us through the Holy Spirit, Lord, to see each other not as rivals, but as people that are on the same team with the same dad, and that's you. We give you glory and honor for everything. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.